Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Hey, how you doing? I hope you're having a good afternoon. I'm Ken Sterling. This is Sports and Other But Sports for Tuesday, February 11th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people of today's dentistry. Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist I've ever gone to. My only dentist the last 26 years. Call them. You're going to absolutely love him and the entire staff. 317-849-2933. There's so much going on today that we're not going to have a guest. Usually on Tuesdays, it's a great guest. Today, no. Way too much to talk about. The first thing is Purdue basketball, all right? Purdue's got a great game tonight. They're playing 13th-ranked Penn State up at Mackey Arena. So what was I talking about this morning? I was talking about Archie Miller, and we'll get to that in a minute, and his radio show, what he said last night. But you know what? Here's what occurs to me about Purdue, and to a slightly lesser extent at this point in the season, Butler. Both are really good programs. Both play connected basketball. They've got coaches that fit the program. They built cultures. Indiana fans, we keep wandering around, running into each other, knocking heads, and arguing about Archie Miller and Fred Glass and Bob Knight's return to Assembly Hall on Saturday and all this other stuff instead of just watching great basketball. Why isn't what Purdue does or what Butler does good enough for us? Why do we need Indiana? to be like Purdue, and to be like Butler when Purdue and Butler already are like Purdue and Butler. They're already what we crave as Indiana fans. So what is it about Indiana, other than obviously our attendance at Indiana, for those of you who went to Indiana, I went there for six years, thanks to my parents, and and thanks also to me getting kind of steered toward journalism a little bit late going in my education going to Indiana. So, you know what, but do I know any of these kids? I don't know any of these kids. Why am I elite? Why do I have an allegiance to Indiana when Purdue and Butler are already doing what I want to see basketball teams do? Tonight, Purdue's going to play connected defense. They're going to try to score the basketball against a Penn State team that is really, really good defensively. I don't know why that's not enough for me. I don't know. And I really like Matt Painter. Matt Painter is a great guy. I don't know Archie Miller at all. I've said hello to Archie twice, walking by him. Hey, coach, or hey, Archie. Nothing. Doesn't divert from the path that he's on. His eyes are staring straight ahead. I don't know whether he's socially awkward or he's just indifferent to others. Whatever. That's fine. If you're a basketball coach and you're a cook hall, you can do whatever the hell you want. That's your territory, not mine. You don't have to be polite to me to make me feel good. I don't require that, but the point is, I just don't know the guy. I do know Matt Painter a little bit, and I really like him. And I really like LaVal Jordan. I think both those guys are terrific coaches. I can root for Matt Painter. You know what I mean? Why is it 
that when a game's played at Mackey Arena between, you know, 13 scholarship guys that I don't know and a visiting team with the same amount of guys I don't know, why can't I root for Purdue with the same enthusiasm as I root for Indiana when they play at Simon Scott Assembly Hall against another 13 guys that I don't know? Why is that? I just got, like, I guess psychologically I sort of get it, but they're already doing the stuff that we love at Purdue. We would be happy if you threw candy stripes and red and white jerseys on the Purdue team and you, you all of a sudden they were transformed into Hoosiers down at Cook Hall and, and Assembly Hall. Would we not be thrilled with what they do? Not every game. I, there was that lost Illinois, 63-37, for God's sake, where we would have been pulling our hair out a little bit. But over the last couple of years, two Big Ten championships. They went to the Elite Eight last year. The last time Indiana went to the Elite Eight was 2002. Can, can we not see clear of our loyalty to Indiana University to embrace what Purdue does and look forward to watching them do it? Same thing with Butler. No place in the world better to watch basketball than Hinkle Field House. Not a bad seat in the place. I have sat in the top row. I've sat in the front row. I love them both. Hinkle is terrific. And the kind of basketball played by Butler, especially when they're at home, unbelievable. Outstanding. They do everything that we wish Indiana would do. And yet, you know, when, when Butler's on, we watch. When Purdue's on, we watch. But I'm not pacing the floor. I'm not standing up and yelling at the TV when they play. I'm not a crazy person when they play. Maybe it's because they don't give me a reason to be a crazy person, right? Maybe it's because I'm not so upset by what Purdue and Butler do that I would stand up and, you know, throw a Nerf football at the television. But... I don't, I, like, that just makes no sense to me. I have got to be better about appreciating excellent play and less loyal, I suppose, to a university where I've been a, a student for 30 years. This is, in, this is craziness. So, uh, but Thursday night, you know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be right here watching Indiana play against Iowa, thinking that maybe tonight's the night that all of a sudden Indiana figures out that they've got an opportunity here and they've got to take advantage of it. And the way to do that is to listen to Archie Miller, abide by his wishes, and connect together a little bit. Get noisy together. Love each other a little bit. Compete together. Because I'm telling you, here's the thing. If you compete together and you sacrifice together, you're going to build something. And, and that's something, I'm not talking about championships, I'm talking about friendships, and I'm talking about the kind of love that can only exist among people who have a shared purpose. And that's what Indiana is sacrificing, year after year after year. You know what? Indiana hasn't had a kid who came to, who came to school since 1970 and, and probably a year before who has stayed for four years and hadn't gone to an NCAA tournament. And Indiana is in, uh, in that, that program is at a state where it could happen for the first time since then, for the first time in, in 50 years. And that's kind of unbelievable to me. And, and so last night, so here, this kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. This is what Archie Miller said on his radio show last night. At some point, you have to draw the line. If you don't want to be a part of winning, you have to not be a part of what we're doing. I'd change that a little bit for fans. If you want to be a part of winning, you can't be a part of what we're doing. 
If you want to be a part of winning, you know what? Cast your eyes at West Lafayette, Mackey Arena. Cast your eyes in Indianapolis at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Do that. Why is it that we exist to be frustrated by Indiana basketball? Why don't we just decide, you know what, to hell with it? We don't need Indiana basketball to be happy watching basketball. We don't require that. We can watch Purdue. We can watch Butler. Hell, you know what? If you're a big fan of Chris Holtman, who went to Taylor University and coached at Butler, you can watch Ohio State if you want. You want to watch a, uh, you want to watch a lunatic on the sidelines? We love lunatics on the sidelines. Indiana people do. You can watch Iowa this Thursday. Fran McCaffrey's crazy. Why is it that they got to wear candy stripes and they got to re- they got to wear red and white for us to be captivi- captivated by them and to root for them? I just kind of don't understand it. I- I'm tired of being frustrated. This is year four of being frustrated, and really longer than that because I knew Tom Crean wasn't going to get over the hump and get beyond the Sweet 16. And despite two Big Ten championships, you know what? That the the final of those two Big Ten championships, I thought that that was schedule driven. Indiana had an easy schedule that year. The unbalanced schedule really weighed in favor of the Hoosiers. The 2012-2013 team, I really enjoyed watching. I think they they worked their way into some dead legs, but that's a story for another day. It's been a long time is the point that Indiana basketball hasn't been a source of frustration. And and I'm starting to look at options. You know, and, and if you are, I don't blame you. All right, let's talk about Philip Rivers and the possibility that he winds up with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't believe that that's going to happen. Stephen Holder wrote a piece in The Athletic. It's being bandied about on the radio. We heard yesterday that Rivers is not coming back to the Chargers. He's talking about playing a maximum of two more years. He's going to turn 39 in December. Okay, he started 16 games last year. The Chargers finished 5-11. and 11. He threw for 23 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. He was sacked 34 times. He's never been to a Super Bowl. Chris Ballard builds through the draft. They have committed already $9 million in a bonus to Jacoby Brissett for the 2020 season. It's going to cost at least $16 million to get Phillip Rivers to commit to you. And at the same time, You've got to devote some resources to a quarterback of the future, and who the hell is that going to be, right? So Philip Rivers might get you to what's he nine and seven, maybe ten and six. Maybe he's so profound a difference maker for the Colts that they go ten and six instead of the seven and nine they went last year. I think that's a stretch. Number one, I, the guy had a QBR of under fifty. He and Jacoby Brissett. Not separated by a whole bunch last year, and you're already paying Jacoby Brissett. Why would you pay Rivers a minimum of $16 million to come to Indianapolis and be kind of a less mobile version of Jacoby Brissett, but maybe a a version of Jacoby Brissett who's going to take shots down the field? Like, they're not exactly the same guy. They're far from the same guy. But statistically, not so far apart at least in terms of QBR and passer rating and that kind of thing. It would be an upgrade, but it would be a marginal upgrade. You got to go, you know, kind of balls deep into figuring out who you're going to be in the future. That's what Chris Ballard's got to do. That's what I think he's going to do. The, the Colts, they've got some draft equity 
They've got number 13. They've got number 34. They've got another second-round pick early in the second round, middle, early to middle second round. they got some ways to go about getting a guy like Jake Fromm. You go get Jake Fromm maybe at 34 and get him a wide receiver maybe at 13 or get a defensive tackle, which is the way I think they're going to go at 13 because that's the, that's the heritage of number 13 in the NFL draft. Defensive tackles fall to 13 a lot, and a lot of those guys wind up going to the Pro Bowl. It is a, a, a draft uh, slot and a position that are really kind of made for each other. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks go 13 and become really, really successful. It happens periodically, but not very often. Either guys are, are ready to be drafted toward the top, or they kind of fall to the late first round again. Sometimes there are exceptions, but overall that's kind of the deal. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a defensive tackle go at 13 and then the Colts invest number 34 in their quarterback of the future, Fromm. I think it's more likely to be Fromm than Love. Love, the kid from Utah State, looks like a guy with an incredible ceiling, like he can do everything you want on the field. And that is both good and bad, right? There is a lot that he can do athletically. He throws a great ball. He makes bad decisions. He throws interceptions, all of that stuff. Jake Fromm is different. Fromm's a guy who who doesn't have uh, a great arm, doesn't have great velocity, but he makes really good decisions. And I think that the Colts would rather build the running game with a quarterback who can throw it deep on occasion but more often than not, is a game manager type guy. And I think that that's from. So it would not surprise me, like I said, DT at 13. And then at 34, you go get uh, a quarterback and you see what you got there. Um, to miss, if you trade up, if, if the Colts trade up and miss on a quarterback, like if, if, if they traded up to number three to get Tua, the amount of draft equity that they would have to sacrifice for a guy who is injury-prone would be staggering. And if Tua did get injured, then all of a sudden you've lost all of those draft picks and there is no way Chris Ballard takes that chance. There's no way he throws that stack of chips into the middle of the table. It's just not going to happen. So uh, are they going to sign Rivers? I don't think so. There was a good point made by a caller on the Dan Dockett show today. Marcus Mariota. Mariota is kind of interesting to me for the reason that the caller mentions. He kind of fits what Frank Reich likes to do. You could likely get him cheap. He is inside the division. He knows, you know, kind of the lay of the land. He knows Tennessee. He knows Houston. He, he knows uh, Jacksonville, right? Now, you got to ask yourself how he played himself onto the bench at Tennessee. Similarly, you got to figure out what it is about Philip Rivers that is Philip Rivers saying, you know what, screw you, Spanos. I'm done with this crap in, in Los Angeles. I'm going someplace else. Or was this mutual where the Chargers are kind of like, you know what, uh, Philip Rivers is 38 years old. He wasn't great last year. We think the bloom's off the rose. Let's move on. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Anyway, with free agency, what you got to do first is figure out why the team that is allowing that guy to become a free agent, why they did it. 
Is it the player making that decision? Is it the team making that decision? And if it's the team, why are they making that call? Why have they decided not to invest as they as that player is asking you to invest? Why did they, who know him best, decide that that investment wasn't worth it? Uh, the Pacers. They got one more game before the All-Star break. They played tomorrow night against Milwaukee at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Last night I thought they played better, but I didn't think the Nets defended very well. So I wasn't surprised that the Pacers looked better offensively. But once again, you had Victor Oladipo take 14 shots in 27 minutes. We've talked about this, right? When he shoots more than once every two minutes, you got a problem. You're a 500 team with the Pacers, when, as Oladipo's been with the Pacers. When he shoots less than once every two minutes, you win 83.3% of the time, baby. That's exactly what happens. And, and so, Victor Oladipo, like, I don't know how you, I know he always says you can't overthink basketball. If you're thinking about it, you're going to overthink about it. You just got to play. Well, look, you know what? If you just got to play, how about this? How about don't shoot it more than once every two minutes? Because the Pacers get really good when you do that, when you shoot once more or less than once every two minutes. You shoot more, they become very, very average. They seem to be kind of fitting together a little bit better. Last night, I think it was the first time that that entire roster has been healthy and available for Nate McMillan. And for people saying that Nate McMillan is part of the problem with the Pacers, I think he's part of the solution. I like Nate McMillan a lot. He knows basketball really, really well. He knows his team really well. And the Pacers aren't moving off Nate McMillan. They are not going to fire Nate McMillan, and they shouldn't. Leave that to all the idiots. Just because fans in other markets and owners in other markets are idiots, that doesn't mean that we need to be that. We need to evaluate coaches, sure. But you know what? Nate McMillan is doing a hell of a job. And until these last six games, all losses for the Pacers, he was a guy where if you were putting together your top five for NBA Coach of the Year, he's in it. With Spolstra, with Nurse, with all these guys, with Donovan at OKC. You're talking about all of those guys. How about Frank Vogel out in Los Angeles? Talking about all those guys as potential Coach of the Year candidates. Nate McMillan among those guys. The last six games, entirely foreseeable. I talked to Nate McMillan about it yesterday. He said, of course, we saw this coming. You know, we didn't know we were going to lose all six games, but we knew that Victor coming in was going to kind of, uh, you know what, immediately disrupt us, but ultimately benefit us. And I think that's what we're going to see. And we got to just stay away from the ledge, right? We can't be like those kooky tourists out at at the Grand Canyon who try to get a really cool selfie, get too close to the edge, and they fall a thousand feet to their doom. Don't do that. Don't walk right up to the edge. You don't need to do that. Watch a game tomorrow night and, and be more global about it. Be more circumspect. Look at the Pacers as what they're going to become, not what they are in the moment. We loved what they were in the moment when they were 30 and 16, right? What they are right now is not that, but they're going to be good. They're going to be fine, and you're going to see it, and you're going to be happy that you waited and that you listened to me. The Cubs, pitchers and catchers report today. How about that? We're getting there. David Ross, he's going to take over as the manager, and everything's going to be Jake on the north side of Chicago, right? Yeah, sure. They didn't spend any money in the offseason. In fact, they saved money 
during the offseason. They pared back their payroll, and it's expected they're going to pay it back a little bit fur or pare it back a little bit further during spring training. Maybe Chris Bryant gets dealt someplace. We'll see. I think that David Ross is going to be a really he he's going to benefit the Cubs in this way. He's going to hold guys accountable in a way that Joe Madden didn't. Accountability is absolutely key to a winning culture. We see a lack of accountability in Bloomington. What do they got? They got troubles, right? They're five and seven in the Big Ten. If they lose to Iowa Thursday night, they're five and eight in the Big Ten. And all of a sudden, the dream of going back to the NCAA tournament starts to wither right in front of your very eyes. Accountability, there's plenty of it with the Butler Bulldogs. Laval Jordan holds guys accountable. So does Aaron Thompson as a leader on that roster. Purdue, you bet. They're accountable. Matt Painter holds guys accountable. Not only that, but he recruits guys who like to be held accountable or or covet accountability for themselves and for their teammates. That's how you build it. And the Cubs are going to be held accountable under David Ross. You'll see. We're going to like where the Cubs go this year. We're going to like the way they play baseball. In 2015-2016, they were an outstanding base running team. They were an outstanding defensive team. With the same guys, principally, they have become kind of a mediocre defensive team and a bad base running team. That isn't going to happen again. The Cubs, they're going to be better. Uh, Ross and the front office, they're going to be on the same page. This thing is going to be everybody on the same end of the rope pulling in the same direction. And more wins are going to be a result of that. You're going to see. It's going to be okay. Now, if they start selling off parts, then I'm going to get pissed off because they still, in the aggregate, when you count concessions and all that stuff, it's the Wrigley Field is the most expensive ballpark to go to in the country for a family of, a family of four. And I know from being a season ticket holder, 15 through 17, actually 15 through 18, um, you know what? It got more and more and more expensive. It was like, okay, they, they pushed you right to the brink of not renewing until finally I decided I'm done with this crap. I, I am not going to pay the Ricketts family another dime of my money to do what they're doing. And they keep saying things like, well, you know, we're developing the, uh, the neighborhood and we're investing in the facility. Well, yeah, dumbass, of course you are. That's part of owning the team. For God's sake, if you buy a house that's kind of run down, you, you don't stay there forever and moan about it being run down, right? You have to upgrade perpetually your, your place. And they've spent a lot of money to do that, but they built a hotel. They bought a lot of the property across Sheffield and across Waveland or across Waveland. And, and so they're monetizing those. These were investments. That's what these were. These weren't just like, upgrades that are out of pocket they're going to generate more revenue for the cubs so don't cry poor to me the marquee network is their next cash cow we'll see how all that works out we got to have it though right because we got to watch cubs baseball i'm not waiting for nationally televised games to crop up periodically on espn for god's sake i'm not doing that all right i i told you we had a lot to talk about and i hope we solve some problems today i feel better about Indiana basketball just because I'm not so tightly wired about it as I was this morning. After that radio show last night, my my head was throbbing. I felt like it was going to explode. I feel bad for Archie Miller. I got to tell you the truth. I feel bad for the guy 
because he's obviously frustrated. He is not in control of his roster. And that is a terrible place to be for a coach. That is the source of all frustration, is a lack of control. Archie Miller, no control, great frustration. He has got to arrest control over that product and over those young men. Do that, he's going to all of a sudden start feeling good about what he's doing in Bloomington, Indiana. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Breakfast with Ken on Facebook Live at 8 straight up. And then at about 8.15 on Periscope Live and Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle, for those of you who would like to follow, at Kent Sterling. So there you go. It's all brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Call Dr. Mike O'Neill at 317-849-2933. Become a new patient, won't you? Join me tomorrow morning.